Our reading is taken from John 20, verses 1 to 2, and verses 11 through to 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have put him. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and one at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you were looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him, cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me for I have not yet ascended to the father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Happy Easter. I want to tell you a secret. It was my birthday yesterday. And I have heard that as you get older, you stop caring so much about what other people think. So I probably shouldn't tell you, but hey, I turned 40. So in addition to being Easter Sunday, it is also the start of my 40th year, and I get to spend it with you. People have asked me, how do I feel about turning 40? And if I'm totally honest, I actually feel very hopeful. What are you hoping for? I'm actually hoping for a holiday, preferably in Hawaii, amongst many other things. What are you hoping for? Maybe you're hoping to get married or maybe you're hoping to have a child, or maybe you're hoping to find a job, or maybe you're hoping that your finances will come together. Maybe today you're hoping that a loved one who is very sick will be healed. Today, I want to talk to you about how to find true hope. We've just read this passage in John's Gospel, and it is the greatest story of hope in human history. Easter is at the very center of the Christian faith. And the resurrection of Jesus is at the heart of our gospel, and it is the source of our hope. In this passage, we go back to the very first Easter, the very first encounter, and the very first emissary of hope. In the passage, we go back 2,000 years to the very first Easter, We go back to the first encounter that the risen Jesus has after his brutal death and crucifixion on Good Friday. 
and we witness the first emissary of hope being appointed by Jesus himself, Mary Magdalene. You know, the word hope in the English language isn't quite the same as the word hope in the Bible. It's not like, I hope it's going to be sunny tomorrow so I can wear shorts and sunglasses, although that is good. In the New Testament, the word hope is the word elpida, which means to have profound certainty. You know, the older I get, I am less sure about a lot of things in life. But I'm also more sure about a few things. What do I know for sure? What am I profoundly certain of? What I know for sure is this. When you encounter the person of Jesus, you will discover a hope that is personal, a hope that is transformational, and a hope that is unimaginable. That has been my experience, and I believe it is the experience of over two billion people who profess to follow Jesus today. You know, many modern thinkers think that in our contemporary world, there is no need for God anymore because humans have mastered control over famine, war, and plague. It is 2022, and as I look out into the world, we are still wrestling with famine, war, and plague. And in my perspective, I'm not sure whether we've really mastered it. Maybe today you're sitting here and looking out at the world, thinking, how can I find hope? Well, I want to tell you this today. Hope is found in a person, and his name is Jesus. You know, the way to receive hope is not by acquiring, accumulating, and achieving. The way to receive hope is through having a living and personal relationship with the risen Jesus, who is alive today by the power of his Holy Spirit. You know, life is full of empty tomb moments. These are moments where we, know, we have no idea what is happening and where we sometimes think to ourselves, I just didn't think my life was gonna pan out this way. I wonder whether as Mary goes to the tomb on Easter morning, that is what she is thinking. I don't know what is happening and I didn't expect things to pan out this way. You know, many of us know the empty tomb story as a moment of joy because we know what happens and we know why the tomb is empty. But in this moment, Mary doesn't know why the tomb is empty and she stands outside the tomb crying. Again, the English word crying doesn't quite convey the depth of emotion and grief that she feels. I think the more accurate word in this passage is to wail. Mary is wailing. She is sobbing uncontrollably. I'm not sure if Mary is standing there with tears silently crying in a very polite English way. I think she's wailing uncontrollably because the person that she loved, the person that she put her hope and trust in was God. In 2015, I think I realized the meaning of the word to wail. Seven years ago, I couldn't really laugh at the time, but I look back now and I can laugh. Seven years ago, 
my dad was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. And one of the things that we decided to do as a family was my dad was going to buy me a new car because I was going to be doing the bulk of the driving in our house. So we went to the Honda dealership together and my dad bought me a cute little Honda Jazz because um, he knew that I'd always struggled to park a very large Honda Accord. So he actually traded in his Honda Accord and he bought me this little Honda Jazz. And nine months after going to the Honda dealership together, my dad passed away. And so all of our overseas family flew into London and for the day of the funeral. And on the day of the funeral, I'm not sure whose idea it was, but because no one else had the right driver's license or car insurance, they asked me to drive all of our relatives from the undertakers to the church. And um, as I was driving my little Honda Jazz with my two elderly uncles and my two cousins in the car, 10 meters away from the church, and I'm following the hearse and the coffin very slowly, I hear this massive bang and crash. And uh, I look in the back of the car and my elderly uncles are literally panic-stricken. And I get out of the car to see what happened. And basically, the guy driving behind me had rear-ended me. And at my, the back of my little Honda Jazz was just crushed. And as I looked at the car, the last thing that my dad bought me Actually, the thing that I thought was the last piece of my dad that I had with me in that moment, I literally just couldn't cope. And I stood on the street, 10 meters away from the church, and I started wailing uncontrollably. Now, the man got out of the car, and um, he looked at me with kind of slight anger in his eyes, and he said, why were you driving so slow? And uh, suddenly it all clicked. He saw the hearse. He saw this wailing woman in the street. And my cousin said, sorry, mate, there's a funeral happening. And uh, he just didn't know what to do. So he quickly whipped out his driver's license and he gave my cousin the insurance details and he quickly scarpered. But I stood on the street and I literally wailed. And basically they had to tell me to stop wailing because the funeral was about to start. That was my empty tomb moment. That was when I felt like I didn't know what was happening and that this wasn't how I thought my life was going to pan out. I'm not sure if you're sitting here today having an empty tomb moment yourself. You have no idea what is happening in your life right now. You just didn't think your life was going to pan out this way. Maybe you feel overwhelmed with heartache, grief and despair. And you wonder whether things will ever get better. Will I ever feel better? Hold on to hope. Because hope holds on to you. Hope is found in a person. And his name is Jesus. Jesus comes to us in our empty tomb moments. Because Jesus came to Mary in her empty tomb moment. You know, Mary is looking for Jesus, but she's looking for Jesus' body. She mistakes Jesus for the gardener, and she ultimately calls him teacher. But her view of Jesus is far too small. Jesus is bigger than she could ever possibly imagine. Mary is lost in her grief, her heartache, and despair. 
And the risen Jesus comes to meet her in that place. Who are you looking for? What are you looking for? Who do you believe Jesus is? In C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe from the Chronicles of Narnia series, which is an epic childhood classic, there is a scene in that book where Aslan, the great lion, who represents Jesus, has been killed by the witch. And there are two little girls called Lucy and Susan who are completely overwhelmed with grief in that moment. Susan and Lucy heard from behind them a very loud noise, a great cracking, a deafening noise as if a giant had broken a giant's plate. They looked around, there shining in the sunrise, larger than they had ever seen him before, shaking his mane, stood Aslan himself. Oh, Aslan, they cried, both of the children, staring up at him, almost as frightened as they were glad. Aren't you dead then, dear Aslan, said Lucy. Not now, said Aslan. You're not a ghost, Susan said in a shaky voice. Aslan stooped his golden head and licked her forehead. Do I look it, he said. Oh, you're real. You're real. Oh, Aslan, cried Lucy. And both girls flung themselves upon him and covered him with kisses. But what does it mean, asked Susan later, when they were somewhat calmer? Aslan responds. It means that when a willing victim who had committed no treachery, was killed in a traitor's stead, the table would crack and death itself would start working itself backwards. Jesus isn't just a willing victim. Jesus is the son of God who has conquered death, darkness and despair on the cross. Death has no hold over him. He has silenced the boast of sin and grave. He laid down his life for you so that you might have a relationship with God. God loves you. And the resurrection proves that Jesus is who he says he is. We can often look at the resurrection as modern people and think it's a bit far-fetched in our contemporary world with all our rational thinking. But at the time of the first Easter, 2,000 years ago, no Jewish person believed that a human could be God. And no one believed that Jesus would be resurrected in the middle of the story. But overnight, hundreds of Jewish men and women completely changed their worldview. And that is because the resurrection really happened. There is no way to explain the lives of the early Christians without the story of the resurrection. You know, Christian hope is founded in historical evidence. They found a hope that was transformational because Jesus was risen and it really is true. The reality is, is that Mary would not have found Jesus unless Jesus had come to find Mary. Mary only knows Jesus because Jesus has chosen to reveal himself to her. You know, Jesus, the penny only drops for Mary when Jesus says her name, Mary. Jesus knows your name. We have a hope that is deeply 
personal. The story of hope is this. We have no idea what is happening. Our lives haven't panned out how we thought they would. But Jesus comes and finds us. Just as we are. I don't know if you think that God is looking for perfect people. Mary Magdalene was not perfect. In fact, we read in the other Gospels that she'd been possessed by seven demons and Jesus had set her free. And if you were trying to make the story up, you definitely wouldn't have written women in because at that time, women had such low status. Their eyewitness testimony was not credible or admissible. And as a practicing lawyer for over 10 years, I can tell you that there is no plausible historical explanation for why women were last at the cross and first at the tomb, other than the fact that that was how it really happened. And then Jesus does something very bold, and I love it. Jesus chooses Mary to be the first emissary of hope. Jesus chooses a woman and a woman with a past to be his first messenger. It is Mary who is the apostle to the apostles. Jesus says to her, go to my brothers and tell them I'm ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. We can now call God Father. When Mary finds Jesus, she finds her identity. When Mary finds Jesus, she finds grace. When Mary finds Jesus, she finds hope, purpose, and meaning. Jesus is the hero in our story of hope. Jesus is not here to do what I want him to do. I am here to do what Jesus wants me to do. And the moment that realization hit in my life, that was where I found true hope and freedom. Jesus chooses Mary even though the world wouldn't necessarily choose her. A couple of weeks ago, I was asked to take a wedding in Dorset as a special favor to a very special friend. And this church in Dorset was this tiny little rural church in a village in Dorset. And um, I drove down on Friday because that was the day of the rehearsal. And I thought, okay, since it's the rehearsal, I won't put on my dog collar. I'll just wear my regular clothes. So I got to the church early and I was just scoping out the room and the order of service and how we were going to process people in. And as I was there a little bit early, the church warden and a very elderly staff member arrived on the scene. And they saw me and one of them came up to me with a massive smile on her face. And she said, oh, you must be so excited on your big day. You're the bride. And I, um, I smiled at her and I said, it is a very exciting day, but I'm not the bride. I'm the vicar taking the wedding. And as I said that, she said, oh, you're Reverend Chow. And I said, yes. And as I was standing there, I could see in her head, all of her categories just explode right there. <laughs> because maybe I wasn't quite what she was expecting in that moment. I love the fact 
that Jesus chooses to use unlikely people. He's looking for people like you and me who are willing to tell others about the hope that we have found in Jesus. People like you and me are called to be emissaries of hope. I sometimes wish that I could have been there at the very first Easter to witness the risen Jesus with my very own eyes. But actually, Jesus has given us something far greater than that. He has sent us his Holy Spirit so that we might know that nothing can separate us from his love and presence, not war, famine, or plague, not even death itself. In Psalm 73, we read, you hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel and afterwards you will take me into glory. And in Romans 8, we read the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives within us. This is the resurrection hope that we have in Jesus. Jesus is alive. We will rise again. Death is not the end of the story. In a world that is full of anxiety, fear, and hopelessness, all we have to offer is Jesus. Hope is found in a person, and his name is Jesus. Amen.